Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Uh, last week, I, I was uh, speaking on Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. It says, Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Uh, nothing shall hurt you. I like that. Nothing shall hurt you. I said yes uh, last last Sunday. If I said yesterday, I'm, my days get mixed up. It feels like yesterday. Um, but uh, I said last Sunday, authority is 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 authority to act in a prescribed manner. In other words, every time you see a sickness or a disease or somebody who's not saved or somebody who needs help, somebody who needs deliverance, you don't have to go back and call headquarters and ask for permission. He's saying, I'm giving you authority to do these things. Go and do them. Can you imagine how useless a police officer would be if if every time he sees somebody speeding on the road or something, he calls into headquarters, hey, just want to let you know there's somebody speeding. Is it all right if I check it out? You know, I mean, I know they radio in and things, but you don't have to ask permission. God has given you authority to act on these things in his name. And I want to tell you, he's given you authority because heaven wants to back you. Heaven wants to do it. He wants these things done. And so I want to look at this a little bit um, today. Um, you know, there have been messages over over time in our circles, you know, Pentecostal, charismatic type circles, where we get into speaking about our rights and our privileges as sons and daughters of God. And rightly so, we have rights and privileges. But, you know, at some, in some circles, that's pushed so far that, that we, we want to stand up for my rights and my privileges. But we don't realize that the rights and the privileges that God's given us come with great responsibility. And one of the ways to keep that centered and focused in your life, to keep you walking on the right path with all this great responsibility, great authority rather, is to recognize that authority equals responsibility. He wants to give you authority because he wants you to take responsibility for the things around you. So the more responsibility I take, the more authority I walk in. Think about that. You know, now the thing about it is not everybody wants responsibility, right? Come on, we all know at least one person in our life, maybe several, who don't want responsibility. They want to just live free and do whatever they want to do and not have anybody telling them what to do and not have people depending on them. But the more responsibility you take, the more your decisions affect others. The more responsibility you take, the less free you are. Why? Because people need to be able to depend on you. And so when you get connected somewhere that God has you or you become responsible for something, you're missed when you're not there. Because why? You've taken responsibility. Once, Man, I've got kids, man. I, you know, I, I can't just not be a father one day because I don't feel like it. I've got a responsibility, right? And so God, God gives us authority, but authority comes with responsibility. And so the more responsibility you take, the more authority you walk in. Think about that. That's good, isn't it? And so I want to look at the same idea, but I want to go over to Matthew's gospel. Matthew says something very similar. If you'll look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, it says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. So uh, notice the kind of work he was doing. He's teaching, he's preaching, and he's healing. Okay. What is the biggest need today? Teaching, preaching, and healing. 
It's not really changed, right? The world today, if Jesus came today and was walking among us, what would he be doing? He would be teaching, preaching, and healing because it doesn't really change that much over time. It's the same. And so this is what he's doing, teaching, preaching, and healing. And so when he saw the crowds, this is what I want to focus on today just for the next few minutes. He had compassion for them. Somebody say compassion. Compassion. That's what I want to emphasize. It says he saw the crowds that he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So understand this. Jesus wasn't angry at the crowds. He wasn't mad at them. He wasn't disgusted with them. You know, I've heard the message about God's anger toward the sinner and his holiness and his wrath, right? I mean, and that's a part of, you know, that's in there. I'm not saying it's not, but I've heard that message. And when I've heard it from some people, I'll just be honest with you. I was thinking in my my own mind, I am so glad that I'm already a Christian and that I know Jesus because if this is what I had to hear, I don't know that I would become a Christian because Jesus came to show the compassion of God and the love of God. And that's what I want to emphasize today. So he says to his disciples, he's looking at the crowds. They're helpless. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And he has compassion for them. And so he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Sounds exactly like what he said in the book of Luke, doesn't it? The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so he told them, pray earnestly. In Luke's gospel, when we read last week, and just remember, Jesus didn't see a problem here with the harvest. What the problem that Jesus saw was the fact that there were not enough workers to bring the harvest in. He needed more workers. And so he said, pray earnestly. He said to beseech, if you read the New American Standard Bible. You like that word? It's a good Bible word, beseech. And I looked that up. The word beseech means to pray earnestly. Okay, so pray earnestly to pray, calling God to send out out laborers. And I want you to know this. Anybody can do this. Any believer can do what he's asking us to do here. Everybody is called to bring in the harvest. Anybody who has met the Lord, should have something to share. This morning I asked how many of you guys called on the Lord and and he answered you in some way. Come on, you've got a story to tell. You've got something that God's doing in your life because you're connected to God that you can share and, 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 and stir up a hunger in people to know the God you serve. And anybody who comes into the kingdom of God, no matter how long you've been saved, they have authority over the devil. Think about that. See, in Mark 16, Jesus said that believers would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. Believers. Doesn't say that pastors will lay hands on the sick. Doesn't say that evangelists will lay hands on the sick. Now, pastors and evangelists should, but not because they're pastors and evangelists, but because they're believers, right? Believers. Come on, somebody say believers. It doesn't say those with the gift of healing will lay hands on the sick, although those with the gift of healing will, but it's the believers who are supposed to do the work of the ministry. The believers, everybody is called to carry out the ministry of Jesus. It's kind of like this. Um, do you remember the story of, uh, well, I'm going to read it to you. I was thinking I might skip it. No, I'm going to read it. It's good. Okay. Matthew uh, chapter 20, verse one, it says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Okay. So he's telling a story. There's a man, you know, in his time there, they have vineyards. They're working in the vineyards. He's going out to basically get day laborers. Okay. So these are, you know, 
just people you meet on the street down in this marketplace to hire. And he comes there and he says, uh, he agrees with them in verse two for a, a day's wage and he sent them into the vineyard. I mean, this is not skilled work here. It's like, go take care of the, the vineyard, you know, the grapevines, you know. Uh, I could I could show you how to do it in two minutes. Just do this, pull these, mix the, you know, pick these, whatever they do. I, uh, he wouldn't want to hire me, but um, <laughs> I'll probably pull the grapes and plant now. But anyway, but the idea is it's, it's not highly skilled work. He's sending them to work in his vineyard. He meets them on the street and says, you go. It says in verse three, going out the third hour, three hours later, he goes out and he meets others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you go too into my vineyard and work and whatever's right, I'll give you. So they went out. In verse 6, he goes out again in the 11th hour, and he finds others, and they're standing around. He's like, why are you guys standing here idle all day? And like, nobody hired us. He says, I'll hire you. Go in my vineyard and work. Go. I've got a job for you. I mean, there is nobody who is a Christian who believes in God, who names the name of Jesus, who should be standing, standing around idle, because I'm telling you, he's got a job for you. Go work in my vineyard. And you don't always get to choose who you work with either. Think about that. I mean, you, you might have to work side by side with whoever your boss picks up out on the street, man, and says, look, he's going to be working with you from now on. Man, as people are coming into the kingdom, we got to be ready to work with those God is bringing into the kingdom. Amen? So he's got things. And, you know, I'm not sure that Peter the Zealot, you know, the apostle, the, the apostle Peter, no, Simon Peter the Zealot, the disciple of Jesus Christ, I'm not sure that he liked working with Matthew the tax collector. And Jewish people hated the tax collectors. Come on. And I'll tell you, if Peter ever found out that, that Judas was taking money, <laughs> yeah, there would have been some sparks right there, don't you think? But Jesus had this 12 guys working together. Why? Because they were working for the kingdom, working for him. They didn't get to choose. He chose the 12, right? They just had to work it out. And so Jesus says back in uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 38, therefore pray earnestly that the Lord, to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And the very next verse, which is Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1, it says he called to him his 12 disciples and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. And if you go back to 935, it's the exact same thing that Jesus was doing, healing people, every disease and every affliction, setting them free, preaching, casting out devils. And here we see him, he's now authorizing 12 ordinary men to do the exact same things he was doing. And why? Why is he doing this? The Bible says it was because of the compassion that he had for the crowds. It was because of compassion. He saw the crowds, they're like a sheep without a shepherd. So he says, we've got to get people in the harvest field. Compassion motivated him. You are authorized to do what you do as his representative because of his compassion for people. It's his compassion that moved him. You know, we've been told that, that Jesus healed people to prove that he was God or to prove that he was divine. Well, if Jesus healed people to prove that he was God, then why did the 12 disciples heal people? To prove they were God? Why did the 72 that we learned about last Sunday, why did they heal people? No, he healed people because of compassion, because he has the ability to meet the need. And you've got to believe in the character of God that when he sees your need, he's willing to meet your need. That's what gives you boldness to come to the throne and obtain mercy and grace and help in time of need. Like the scripture says, come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain 
Why? Because I believe in his kindness. I believe in his goodness. I believe that he has compassion toward me and that he'll help me. If you look that up in the Greek, the word compassion, it actually means to have the bowels yearn. To have the bowels yearn. You know, it talks about, if you read the King James, it uses some of that language. It talks about the bowels of my, his bowels were open to him or something like that. Because why? It's, it's more than just a principle. I mean, it is a motivating force, man, that Jesus felt. Compassion. Compassion for people. It's figuratively, it means to feel sympathy or to pity or to be moved or to have compassion. And so Jesus sees the crowds and their situation. Don't you know he still looks out on the earth today and he has compassion for these people who are lost and who don't know him and they don't have peace, they don't have stability. They're believing every wind of everything flying around in the world today and there's no stability, there's no direction. He has compassion. They're harassed like sheep without a shepherd. So never forget, it's God's love that moved him to heal. It was God's love that moved him to offer his son. It was Jesus's love that moved him to preach and to heal. And it's his compassion that moved him to authorize the 12 right here to go and do the same things. See, what made these men special is the fact that they were with Jesus. Other than that, they were not that special. Come on, we got to get the apostles off the stained glass. You know what I'm saying? You know, picture them in the cathedrals and the little glowing thing around their head. Man, they were fishermen. As you approached him, you didn't probably sense the aura of the spirit first. You probably smelled fish. That's who you're dealing with. When they probably came up to pray for you, they probably had bad breath because they didn't have Tic Tacs back then. I mean, they were normal people. That's what I'm trying to say. Yet God authorized them to carry his authority to cast out devils. It's, it's, that's who it's for. And it says that he gave them authority. That's so important right there. He gave them authority. So I got to thinking um, years ago, uh, you know, I would always hear people talk about different things on authority. And so I did my own study on authority because I wanted to know where authority comes from. What is authority? Why do I have authority? Why does somebody have authority and somebody not have authority? And I, I boiled it down to this. You can agree with me if you like it too. Basically, authority comes from power right? Strength. It comes from a place of strength. That's why in a conflict, the winners get to write the rules, right? They get to write the history books and they get to, you know, prosecute their opponents and call them war crimes. If somebody else would have won, it'd be exactly the other way around. But authority comes from a place of strength. So if you're going to operate in authority, you either have to have strength yourself or you're going to represent somebody who has the strength and speak for them. Right? That's, so that's basically where authority comes from. So do you remember when Jesus cleansed the temple? Uh, in Mark chapter 11, he goes in there, he kicks over the tables and all that, shuts down the sacrifices, kicks over the money changers, and he starts preaching himself in the temple and healing people. So he's doing this for several days. If you look at Mark eleven twenty-seven, 27, uh, uh, he, he'd just done that. And so now he's walking in the temple. And while he's there, the chief priests, they come to him and, and uh, the scribes and the elders. And they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? They're just wanting to know what's up here. And so Jesus says to him, I'm going to ask you a question. I love how Jesus asks questions. He says, one question, you answer me. And if you answer me, I'll tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven? Or was it from man? Answer me. 
Now, you know what? You read that, and if you skim over it, you think, okay, good for Jesus. He got them cornered. They couldn't answer, got Jesus off the hook. But think about another layer deep here. Jesus is actually answering their question in kind of a cryptic way, but he's answering this question. Look at this. They discussed it with one another, and they're saying, if we say from heaven, then they're going to ask them, why don't you believe him? And they didn't believe him. If we say from men, what's it say? Get this. They were afraid of the people. Right there. Jesus was demonstrating the extent of their own authority. They wanted to say it was from man. It was not holy. It was not God. We didn't have to follow him. But they were afraid of the people because the people believed that John was a prophet. And they knew they were about to be stoned. And Jesus is demonstrating to them, you can only go so far. You can't speak truth because you do not have the authority. Your authority comes from public opinion. It's a political authority and it sways with the crowd, the public opinion of the crowd. And you know, public opinion goes from one thing to another and back again. I mean, one minute you're up here and next minute you're down here. We're living in a time where people say one thing wrong and their whole career is canceled because of public opinion. And nobody knew about public opinion authority better than Jesus because one day he's riding into Jerusalem on the donkey and everybody's cheering, come on, Jesus, yeah, Hosanna, Hosanna, Jesus, right? And a couple of days later, they're singing, give us Barnabas and crucify Jesus. The crowd's just turn like that. Crowds are fickle. Crowds are fickle. So in refusing to answer their question, he demonstrated the limitations of their authority because they wanted to say it was from man, but they could not. And so he didn't have that limitation. Jesus could go where he wanted to go, say what he needed to say, and say it in the authority of God, and heaven backed him up. And that's the key. Heaven backed him up. See, if we're going to operate in heaven's authority, we need to speak for heaven, right? The moment we speak on our own ideas or something that Jesus or God did not ordain, we cease to be his representative and he's not obligated to back us up. There have been people who've gone out and said their own thing and tried to do their own thing and tried to bring God along with it, but that doesn't mean that he's obligated. He can just let you hang out there. And you're uncomfortable, but he's not really bothered by it. But if we will speak his words, he backs us up. And so that's what we need to make sure we're not doing our own thing, that we're doing his thing. There's too many Christians who are giving into the cultural winds of public opinion. They're trying to appease the masses rather than trying to please God. And I'm telling you, they don't walk and they don't carry heaven's authority. We only carry heaven's authority when we speak the words of Jesus. Do you remember what it says in John 3, 34? Jesus said this about himself, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. So speaking the words of God and walking in the power of the spirit go hand in hand. We've got to speak God's words. We've got to stand for what God stands for. And so it says there in Matthew 10, 1, that he gave them authority and that they did what they they did. They did what they did because he had the power. He had the ability to delegate this authority to them, and they went out and did it. And and remember what it says in 1 Corinthians. It says, who sees anything different in you? In 1 Corinthians, he's getting on the people because they got these factions and these divisions in church, and he's trying to correct it because everybody's wanting to say, I follow Apollos, I follow Paul, I follow this guy. And he says, Christ is not divided. And he's going on, he's kind of, he's bringing them a correction. He says, who says anything different than you? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you then received it, why do you boast as if you did not 
receive it. Think about that. What you have, this, this, this thing that you have, the gifts that are operating among you, the authority of God that's working in your church, you're acting like you, it originated with you, and it didn't. Right? You received it just the same as everybody, just the same as Apollos, just the same as Paul, just the same as Peter. You received it. They received it. Man, we're, it's, it's about Jesus. It's about his authority. And that's what we're all, we're all working for. And that's the authority we're all speaking under. And that's why we need to all be pulling together for him, not for these factions. And those factions have become prevalent in the church today. And it shouldn't be. Uh, we're watching what's going on in... Um, Northeast India, as you guys know, and one of the things is the church has finally come together. You would think in a country where 2% of people are Christians, they would all be together. But they're all together now. They're all worshiping together. Kind of like what Jesus wanted from the beginning, huh? And so uh, uh, we, we've got to understand that, that, you know, we've got to get over the idea that somehow if I'm going to be a Christian long enough, uh, and, and do all these things, and then somehow I will earn the authority. Because I'm telling you, the moment you're born again, you have authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. What you will grow in is you will grow in grace. You will grow in wisdom. You will grow in your understanding to use that authority, right? You should. A lot of times we don't. Why is it, and I didn't get to look up the statistics, but why is it that people, people lead more people to the Lord within the few months after they've been saved than they do for the rest of their lives? I mean, they've done studies on that. That's a fact. You, you guys have heard it too. You can confirm because I didn't get to look it up. Why? Because they have the authority immediately upon being born again. And they go out and they're excited about their new experience and they tell others about God. And it's contagious and the Holy Spirit backs their words Heaven backs what they say, and they lead people to God. It's only after you come to church and learn how to not do things. I'll just let that go. But the authority to tread upon the works of the devil are given to all believers. And as soon as Jesus is your Lord, you have the response. You have the authority, and listen, the responsibility. Immediately, you have the responsibility to tread upon the works of the devil. And so in closing, let's say that just to make everybody feel comfortable. Take a breath. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. Skip down. If you're following in your scriptures, I'm just skipping a couple verses. It says, these 12... He sent out and he instructed them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans. Okay, it's just where they were at the time. Jesus had to go to the Jews first. He sends them specifically to the Jewish people. And he says, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, verse seven. And as you go, proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. And I like this part. I love this part. You received without paying. Give without pay. I love that. King James, freely you have received, freely give. Isn't that good? Why do we make everything about money? Why do people want an offering in order to pray for you? Come on. That's, it happens. It happens. Listen, Jesus did not give them money to give to sick people either, did he? 
Think about it. He says, freely you've received, freely give. But he didn't give them money to give to sick people. He didn't give them money to give to lost people. What did he give them? He gave them power and authority to set them free. That's what he gave them. And that's what he's given you. And they didn't buy this gift. They didn't buy this authority. They received it as a gift. There was a man in, in, in the book of Acts, you maybe remember, and he went to, uh, to uh, Peter and he said, man, I'm gonna give you money so that I can have this power to lay hands on people and see them filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did Peter do? He turned and he said, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God. And you can't, it's a gift. You get it as a gift or you won't get it at all. And if you've been born again, understand it's been given to you. Operate in it. Step out in authority and stand for what is yours in Jesus Christ. Speak his words after him and allow his spirit to back you up. Amen? So it's a gift. And so Jesus does this because of what? Compassion. Come on, everybody say compassion. Because of compassion, he authorized 12 ordinary men to help him reach the multitudes who were lost. Because of compassion, last week we saw in Luke, he authorized 72 others. We don't even know their names. All we know about is if you keep on reading, he, he calls them babes, <laughs> right? He says, God, you've not revealed this stuff to the wise and the educated, but you've given them to babes, to infants, to the unlearned and uneducated. So they didn't, their, their pedigree, their, their school they went to, it didn't qualify them to receive this. You receive it as a gift or you don't receive it at all. So when you go and stand before the devil or before the circumstances that you want to see change in your life and you're speaking God's word to that thing, don't think it's because you've earned it somehow or you've you've studied for it or you've fasted or you've prayed or what have you done? I've received it as a gift from God and I'm stepping in to this authority that he's given me. I'm taking the responsibility for my circumstances. I'm speaking the word of God to it and I'm fighting the good fight of faith, treading upon all the power of the enemy. And then, so he gives, transfers the ministry to the 12. He transfers the ministry to the 72. And you know, our commission, you'll find that in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came to them, he said, all authority, I like that, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore, why? I have all authority, I have power, you go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so we've been commissioned. Before he said what? Don't go into the Gentiles, go into the Israel only, right? It's a new day. Jesus went to the cross and now this thing goes to the whole world, right? You can see his progression. It's the 12, the 72 to Israel and now it's the church to the world. Man, we've got a responsibility. You ready to shoulder it with me? Don't know what that's gonna look like, but it's gonna be fun and it's gonna be good. And I like what God's doing and I can't wait to see it increase. Amen. Yeah. So let's just have a quick prayer and I'm going to dismiss you. Father God, I love you and I thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you did in our service this morning. Lord, I believe that you've just, you've touched hearts and, and, and you've worked in circumstances that maybe we don't even know the full extent of what you've done here this morning, but I thank you for it. Looking forward to hear the stories and the testimonies and the things that, that have, uh, changed the things in the world that have changed this morning because of what you're doing. I thank you for that. Father God, I just thank you for this church, Lord. What a great, great, awesome church. People hungry for you and want to do, want to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Father God, take us to that place, Lord. Father, bless us as we go. 
and keep us safe and bring us back tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, quick thing to let you know, tonight, 5.30, we are having church tonight. Uh, uh, Sam, Jackie's still not going to be able to tonight, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill in tonight. We're going to postpone her till she's able to. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be good because I want to I wanna talk tonight about, uh, I want to have a discussion about what it looks like to exercise this authority. Yeah. All right? Because, I mean, we talk about it. Let's, let's do it. Amen? Yeah. Amen. So see you tonight at 530.